Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. My name is Brandon Fong, and whether you are a new friend or an old friend, I am so, so grateful to have you here, and I am beyond, 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 beyond excited to introduce you to today's guest, Dr. Eric J. Roman. You know what the interesting thing is, is like, how do we shift our perspective to recognize that right now, right now, Brandon, we're riding a rainbow, right? We're hungry and we're begging for the pot of gold, for whatever the outcome is, for the thing that we're trying to achieve, whatever it might be. But what we can't see is that we're on the rainbow. Guys, this may or may not go down as one of the favorite podcast interviews that I've done just because Eric is so freaking amazing and I love him like a brother and a mentor and a friend and we just met a few months ago and I'm so excited to introduce you to him and kind of take you behind the scenes of my relationship with Eric and he is just such an amazing human being. So I could go on and on about him for forever. So I'm going to read his bio in just a little bit, but as always, I would love for you to look out for three specific things in today's episode. Number one, how in Eric's early years, he actually dated, and I'm not BSing you right now, he dated actual Disney princesses. You'll find out <laughs> why that happened. He went to school with people from InSync, and he played baseball at Florida State as a pitcher, and in his senior year, he was the top closer in the country. So that was just the start of Eric's incredible life. Number two, I want you to look out for rainbows. You heard it in the quote from the beginning. Uh, there's so much more that Eric expands on on this topic, and it is such a fun and profound conversation and we may or may not nerd out a little bit about Mario Kart for a bit too so I love where the analogy went but I'm just enjoying my life on the rainbow as a result of what Eric shared there and then number three how you can create harmony with your family and business life and man oh man has Eric been on a journey to figure that shit out the hard way so just for a little bit more context I'm going to read Eric's bio but then I'm going to also interject and add a little bit of flavor to it so Eric started his journey as a dentist but soon became the CEO of several fast-growing multi-location dental groups that generated over $200 million in care during his leadership. Despite the success, the journey was never early, and when he finally paused to reflect, he realized he had failed his wife, his family, and himself by making money and ego his core validations and focus. So here's my little bit of a pause here. You will know from this episode, Eric is so real. He is so raw. He is open. He's vulnerable. He's just a real human. So you're going to hear the highs and lows. And he really shares the depths that he went through to uncover some of these pieces of wisdom that he shares in today's episode. So anyways, going back to his bio, Eric exited the company he founded to pursue a more balanced life. And he did this through coaching and thought leadership where he has become one of the dental industry's most esteemed experts on team dynamics and associate dentist development, coaching a community of more than $3 billion in annual revenue via the Dentist Entrepreneur Organization. Sadly, Eric watched as others had a similar experience to his own, a highly successful business coupled with less than satisfactory life. 
what emerged was a commitment to pivot again and guide people towards personal lives that were even more successful than their professional ventures. With his team, he has developed the One Life System, an operating system for personal and family lives that consistently and sequentially leads participants toward joy, authenticity, and life satisfaction without sacrificing professional success. So that is like the bio, but man, let me give you a little bit of a story about how I met Eric. So a few months back, you guys have, if you're following along on all these episodes, you'll notice I'm bringing out a bunch of people from one specific event that happened a few months ago at the time of this recording. But I attended Benjamin Hardy's uh, annual event, his AMP Platinum group met, and that is where I met Eric and uh, Eric And I met because of that event and hit it off right away, thanks to Ben. But also, we have a really good mutual friend, John Davey. John is uh, my partner that when I ran my first in-person experience called a Curiosity Quest. And so John had texted me the day before. He's like, dude, Eric's going to be a speaker at Ben's event. You have to find him. And so I went and I found him and we hit it off right away. And man, it's like one of those relationships where it's like, this is going to be someone that is a part of my life for a long time. So I am so excited to introduce you to Eric because it is just a funny conversation, a profound conversation and a deep conversation all at the same time. So I'm going to be re-listening to this myself multiple times, get ready to laugh, get ready to cry, get ready to feel, get ready to take some notes. So without any further ado, here is my friend, Dr. Eric Roman. Mr. Eric Roman, my buddy, my bromance, the guy that's got the coolest man bun that I've ever seen. Welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, brother. (laughs) Thank you, Brandon. I didn't know. I didn't know that the man bun uh, had you. I let my hair down today for this interview. So, yeah. You know, however you let that mane fly is good Uh for me. (laughs) If if you're listening, you can tell Eric and I already have a little bit of a bromance built in. So this is going to be an epic episode. And as I was just saying to you, Eric, these podcasts are such a great excuse to know people that I already love on an even deeper level. And so one of the things that I came across that I thought would be a really, really fun place to start in, I want to give people like a little bit of a color of your amazing journey through life. We'll get into some entrepreneurship stuff. We'll go all over the place. But I thought the most natural place to start would, of course, be Disney princesses. (laughs) So I found out you're raised in Orlando, Florida, grew up watching Disney get built, and I, I found out that you may or may not have dated a Disney princess or two in your earlier years. So not too many people can say this. So oh, I would love no. for you to maybe share a little bit about your experience dating princesses and how that how that came to be. <laughs> well, the first thing the first thing you need to know, Brandon, is about can you imagine the how how high the bar was set for my poor one? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't like. I wasn't just, I wasn't just dating like, you know, some like really awesome girls. I was dating Ariel. I was dating (laughs) Cinderella. I was dating Snow White. Like, I mean, we don't make movies about about these women because they're just so, so we make movies about them because they're incredible. And so, you know, I mean, I had to ask for King Triton's permission, like all the, all the stuff. It was it was actually really cool. Now there's a um, there's a, a a a less glamorous side to it as well, Brandon. Um, I also dated Peter Pan. I mean, oh. listen, like that was before it was cool. 
Um, like that was back in the, in the, you know, in the eighties. And so, you know, like, but most people don't, you never know who's in that costume, Brandon, yeah. like Peter, Peter, Peter Pan was also Ariel, like at a different day and a different time. So, you know, it was really, it was, I learned a lot of things. I learned about multiple personalities. I learned about, you know, about what it's like to cater to a princess, but, uh, yeah, it was, you know what, growing in, growing up in Orlando in Disney's backyard, right across the street from Universal 2, that's a really cool place to grow up. And at least it was for me in the 80s. And um, and so I definitely got to enjoy the fruits of it, the fruits of it for sure. Is it is it also true that you went to school with somebody that was an InSync? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, Joey, Joey <laughs> Fatone. Joey Fatone was... Uh, <laughs> Was, uh, was, was, yeah, was at my high school. So yeah, like I got some, like actually my high school had a lot of, um, uh, a, a lot of, they ended up a lot of people in show business or acting. Um, oh man, what was the guy that went big with Despacito before Bieber, before oh, Bieber got shit. it? Uh, I can't remember his name. Went to my high school. He was part of a boy band at my high school with Joy Fatone too. And so um, a lot of actors, you know, Wayne Brady was uh, was a was a was a graduate there, too. Yeah, it's kind of kind of wild, kind of high. high Dude, I mean, if wild. that's your if that's your start in high school, I mean, I you got you got you got a lot of momentum to build and you've done some amazing stuff since then, obviously. But that what well, a, what a, what a boy childhood. Band. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that was the, that was like, the, you know, the pathways in life. I was sitting right in boy band place, but turns out I couldn't sing and I couldn't dance. So that wasn't going to work really well. Yeah, well, but you could play baseball. So I know another behind the scenes thing is a, a, I had a poor attempt of having music playing before Eric showed up today, just because I've been excited about doing that. And I happened to randomly, I'm like, what song should I pick? And I picked Enter Sandman, or not Enter Sandman, uh, Crazy Train uh, as, the, as the intended song, which ended up not playing. And then Eric's like, yo, that was my walk-on song, which is epic. So yeah. I, I, I know you've, you've lived multiple lives, but one thing that I've noticed is a pattern in getting to know you over these past few months, Eric, is like your willingness to check in with yourself and like understand when something's not in alignment anymore and like making a jump into that next level of alignment. So no kind of a weird way of framing like a baseball thing, but I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about your baseball career. Cause I know that was a big part of your life and you, you ended up leaving that behind for the next phase, but maybe share a little bit about that journey for you. You know, uh, it's such a different story when we look back than when we were in it. Right. Mm. And so um, what I recognize now you know, baseball was like a salvation for me in a sense. Baseball gave me an identity. And um, I had, you know what? I had my 10,000 hours really quick because I had a couple of buddies in my neighborhood. And I was not, I, 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 as a youth, I wasn't an exceptional athlete. Uh, I was a really late bloomer. I wasn't super agile or anything like that, but I got my 10,000 hours in the hood, like on the streets, playing baseball, like, you know, tennis balls, hitting them in people's windows, all that sort of stuff. And the next thing you knew, I was a, I was a great high school baseball player. And um, I was a pitcher and I was at a big high school when you pitched, you didn't hit. And uh, through a couple of no hitters, ended up getting an offer to go play baseball at the best Division One schools in the nation. Um, you know, I had offers from you know Miami, the University of Florida, Louisiana State had offers from Stanford, and um, and uh, and and so this was my identity, Brandon. This was my first identity, hmm. and um, 
it wasn't a perfect identity, but it was an identity. And I liked it. You know, it felt good. I was good at something. And uh, and so I went with it. And uh, I ended up choosing to go to Florida State. I felt like that was the right balance. And that was amazing. And I went out of a being a big fish in a small pond to being a small fish in a huge pond. Mm. And everybody, everybody at that level was all world. And, um, and I really struggled my, you know, early in my career, like in my first year there, I ended up taking a medical red shirt and, you know, the real issue wasn't, wasn't physical. It was inside of me. Like I didn't feel like I belonged anymore. And it was almost like it was destroying that identity again. And I remember a moment, I remember it was my, so it was my, I was, I was a red shirt freshman. I remember I just found out I wasn't on the traveling team, which that meant like, Hey, you kind of suck relative to our mm. players. You're at the bottom of the barrel. And I remember, um, I remember sitting in my Toyota Camry right outside of my apartment. And I remember just like sobbing. I remember crying. Like it was like a breaking point. And I, and, and, and like, you talk about processing, like I was processing right there. And, um, and I was thinking uh, as I went through this sobbing process of like anger and sadness and all this stuff, I had a moment where I realized though, I had been granted an incredible opportunity, right? There were men all across the country that would have given like an appendage to be where I was sitting, right? To just have the chance. And here I was, I had the chance. And, um, and so like inside of that moment, like in that moment, something shifted. And I remember it was like, you know what? I'm going to give it everything like balls to the wall. Let's mm. freaking go. And that was the moment. And, um, everything shifted from then on. Um, I set records uh, as a middle reliever there at Florida State um, in the year that followed. And literally like right after that episode, it was like everybody talked about like, what what in the crap happened to Roman? He's like a different Mm. person. It's like there was a downshift in my soul. It was like I had the eye of the tiger again, you know? And so um, I took advantage of every opportunity physically there to, to be better. I became an athlete, you know, which was crazy. I, and you know what? I was realizing I was just maturing. I was 20 and it was like, my body was just catching up with like maybe the insides of me. So, um, ended up, uh, my last years there, I was a closer and, um, I was, I was actually the top closer in the country halfway through the season in my last wow. year. And, um, I say halfway through the season because I had a little freak accident, tore my rotator cuff. And, um, interesting thing. I had another moment, right. And, uh, you know, what I realized in that time, Brandon, was that I had been identifying myself here as a baseball player. It was Mm. exciting. It was fun, but I didn't love it. I didn't love what I was doing. And when I look back right now, like I didn't have the heart for the game. Like I didn't love baseball. I did baseball because I was great at baseball but I didn't do it because I loved it. And it's like, I'd reached the statute of limitations where in that moment, everything ran out. And all of a sudden, when I tore my rotator cuff, it was like, dude, you got to spend, you're going to have to have surgery. So that means two more years. You've already been accepted to dental school, like as your backup plan. But now, now all of a sudden you're going to do two more years here just to keep doing something that you don't love. Mm -hmm. And that was like my next moment of, it was the moment when I buried that guy and that, that first, that like first early version where I was like, well, I'm going to go validate my life 
and keep score in a different manner now. I'm going to let go of the identity of me being the baseball player. I'm so thankful for everything that it taught me, but um, that was the moment. And, you know, I've had some days where I'm like, I, I went to a Braves game when I was in Atlanta for an event like last month. And I was like, oh, that would have been interesting to keep playing. Like I have every bit of confidence I could have kept playing at the highest levels. Um, I was going to be a top three round draft pick out of there as a closer and who knows, but, uh, but I actually really like the journey that I've been on. So yeah, that was version 1.1. That was like the first version. I was like need a version 0. 0.05 of Eric. Right. You know? We'll see how much we'll see if we can go through 0. 0.5 to 3.0 or 4.0, whatever you're on. There's so, there's so much gold that you just dropped there. One is like, I'll plant a seed because we'll see if we can get there. I, I noticed some gap versus the gain language there. Shout out to our mutual friend, Ben Hardy, which is part of the reason why we met the other part, John Davey, love you guys both. Um, but, uh, I, I love that you chose to reframe in that moment of sitting in your Toyota of looking at all the progress that you made. It's kind of like, I heard this, I don't know if what it, where this was, this isn't going to be hundred percent accurate, but it was something about like the depression levels in Harvard. Cause it's like, you look at all the Harvard grads, they were the top of their class. And all of a sudden they're just like, you're not the smartest anymore. When you get into Harvard, it's like, that's, you're, you're supposed to be the valedictorian. What do you mean? Right. <laughs> you know? So I, I can imagine what that felt like, but you made a conscious choice to tell a different story. And that changing of the story is what transformed everything. Um, And, and so the, the, the thing I kind of want to, you can comment on that, but another thing I want to zoom in on is this is a an applicable thing in all different phases of the journey. But I heard another guest share, they call it like surfing the void. And it's that period when you've fallen out of love with that thing and you know there's a bigger thing, but you're in that period of like, it's just space. It's uncomfortable. There's lack of identity. And I know you're kind of going through this in a different variation right now, which is really interesting. But I think this is a really juicy thing that not too many people talk about. And you've been in this spot multiple times in your life as you've continued to 10X and evolve to use Ben Ben Hardy's language. But maybe if you could paint a little bit of picture of what it's like in that void of being like identity-less and still making that transition to something bigger. Dude, so I love the definition of it as the void. That's the that's probably the best exemplification because there's this darkness, there's uncertainty, there is um there's a lack of confidence there is um there's a lack of belief but there's also there's also this interesting thing where you can't go back mm. where you've something in your awareness I, I you know i've coached entrepreneurs for years and it's so incredible i just had 3 this week that are entering or in the void and mm. they, and they all recognize when you when you opened up pandora's box you can't close it again and so you recognize you've left that, whatever it is. And it hurts because part of you just wishes you could just go back to when that felt like it worked. Like it was, <laughs> even though even though now you're like, it was a fake, it wasn't real or I've shifted, you can't put it back in. And that's, I think, one of the things that's so freaking hard about when you when you enter that void. But the void is a gift. It's the greatest of gifts. And it's a gift that's saying, you, you know what the problem is, Brandon, is that we don't have stories about it. We don't have examples in our lives. Like we look at other people's stories and other people's journeys and we don't see voids. We don't see those things inside there. And yet they are there. It's just people don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so we think we're broken. We think something's wrong. And you know what else? We have all these false concepts of what our journeys look like. We all see linear journeys. 
We all think that tomorrow should be better than today and the today after tomorrow. It's like this, oh, every day is better than the next one or I'm on my path, right? Mm -hmm. Ain't nobody's journey looks like that. Mine's got dips and dives. I'm hoping the only thing, mine looks like this, waves, right? <laughs> but Or maybe even I call it a staircase, right? And some like I sometimes I have to just rest and chill on a stair for a while before I have the energy to go to the next one. And um and all I'm hoping for is that the slope, the average of those journeys is moving in an upward direction. But the power comes from the dip. Dude, it's like a freaking mm -hmm. trampoline, right? Mm -hmm. When we jump on trampolines, we harness all of our power down in the base of there. It's like and everything's stretching and everything's ready to go. And that is where the energy comes from to propel, propel us up higher. If we don't push down, we don't go up. You aren't just going up like, uh, you aren't gonna get anywhere. But you know, the interesting thing, Brandon, is that we have a choice on trampolines, I, like trampoline parks, right? I almost bought one. I, I <laughs> the things are, are walking injuries, but they're so freaking cool. But the interesting thing, you know, when you're jumping in a trampoline park, you have a choice because you can absorb when it goes down, instead of pushing and propelling up, you can kill it. You can just, yeah, you just buckle the energy and like buckle. Yeah, that's a choice. And so it's the same way when we enter the void. It's the same way when we're in there. Because when I sat there in the Camry moment, by the way, I name those moments in my life so mm. that I can give them power. Like I name them and I put titles to it. I've got Starbucks moments. I've got the, I've got the Camry moment, right? I've got uh, a dude, I, I name them as I go. And, um, and so in the Camry moment, I had choice. And I could have buckled right then and there under the stress of the negativity and the pain that the void gave me, or I could have propelled myself up. Like that was just the option that I was given. So the void, the void is power, dude. The void, like maybe what if we told a different story? What if the, okay, here's a book, like the power of the freaking void, right? And what if it's, we always think about the wins and the victories, what if everything that we do is about how quickly and how well we engage the void? How often, right? Like my life is better because of the time I've spent in the void. Mm -hmm. hmm. What a different way to look at it, right? Still hurts though. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it, it doesn't surprise me that at one point you considered buying a trampoline park. Uh, but have Dude, you those things are gold mines? <laughs> have you have you read or seen this is the second time this has come up this week for me? Um, Ray Dalio's principles, he did like a summary video. Uh, did you see that summary video by chance? I've watched I've watched some of the summary video and it just got me so excited. I, I read all the principles and then I like my mind was forever transformed. Yeah. So, I mean, there's that like in, for those of you that haven't seen this, it's like the Ray does this great job of like creating a digital representation of going throughout this journey. And like the, the figure they keep using is this dude running and sprinting and then falling and going on a loop. And then the loop, if you can kind of imagine like an upward trajectory loop, a down loop, and then a spiral, like kind of up at higher. And I, I think there's like a part in that explainer video where it's like, they show him going through the loop, but then they back out and they see that like, the, the dude's journey has just been a series of these upward loops, but like you only see one at a time, right? You kind of forget like, holy shit, this is like a really curly journey. And that's like a big thing that I've seen. It's like the hero's journey that they talk about in Joseph Campbell so much. It's like, you think it's like a, a, a it's a cycle. It's a cycle that repeats. It's like the, the death, the death and rebirth is a part of the hero's journey cycle. And it's like, that empowers you to kind of start at a, a different spot. And so I, I love that we went there. Cause it's like, I don't hear that many people talking about it and using more gap versus the gain 
again, I'll maybe I'll clarify this later, but like just comparing yourself to somebody else, you never, you never understand what trampoline moment that there could be in that you don't even have conscious awareness of. And it's, I I love, I love this concept of the power of the void. So I, mm, I I wonder if this goes anywhere, but I heard an epic quote, I'm sure your brain can figure out a way to connect the two, but I heard an epic quote. I'm like, I want to hear Eric talk about this. Talk to us a little bit about the pot at the end of the rainbow. You have like a really cool quote about this. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, dude. So, um, (laughs) wow, you're good, man. You pull it all (laughs) I don't remember. I don't remember the first time I said it. I probably said it and I've discovered in my top secret, I've discovered I produce no original thought that somehow everything comes from somewhere else. Like I'm starting to subscribe to that theory that there is no, you know, like there is no real art. We all just copy. But um, I was in a, I was, I was doing a presentation about eight years ago and, um, and I talked about how everybody's chasing the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's how we live our lives, right? Whether we call it delayed gratification or whether we call it like we are outcome based in the way that we operate, we're all reaching for something, right? But what do we know, at least about the reality of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? It's, and you know, I moved to Utah four years ago and we get the best freaking rainbows like i'm not kidding you in in four years i have seen a dozen double rainbows i have even seen a full freaking triple rainbow i mean you imagine wow. that on youtube how that would have gone full triple rainbow <laughs> triple in, rainbow in, i know wasatch <laughs> mountains in the background triple rainbow my kids were mind blown um no matter how hard i try you never get there you never get to the to the to the pot of gold to the end of the rainbow you will hit some milestones you will have some things but I think it's sort of our human concept. It's that we're always reaching. It's that we're always going after something else. There's always going to be a new thing. There's always more money is one of the things I say. But in my journey, what I've discovered is that the joy is the journey on the rainbow, right? Is riding a freaking rainbow. I think of Mario Kart when I say that too. <laughs> that was rainbow. the first thing that popped into my yeah. head. <laughs> it's, always the, it's always the case. Like I can't, like Mario Kart in my soul, you know, I spent a lot of years, when I wasn't playing baseball, I was playing Mario Kart. And, um, and, and so, you know what the interesting thing is, is like, how do we shift our perspective to recognize that right now, right now, Brandon, we're riding a rainbow right? We're hungry and we're begging for the pot of gold for whatever the outcome is for the thing that we're trying to achieve, whatever it might be. But what we can't see is that we're on the rainbow, right? You know, and, and, and to your point about the Ray Dalio thing, it's all about the, when we zoom out a little bit and we have this newer perspective on where we are, that we can give thanks for it. The riding the rainbow for me. So, you know, I've exited a number of businesses and, um, Riding the rainbow was having an incredible team around me that I loved working with. Riding the rainbow was, you know, was the fruit of the business, not the outcome of the of the money that I made or the exit or any of that stuff. The rainbow was like in the mundane, like the joy in life sometimes is the joy in life is in the mundane. It's in the day to day. It's in the like, what's going on outside my door right now, just the like kids having lunch or whatever it might be. And when, when we lose the rainbow, then we recognize how awesome it was and how much we missed it and how much more valuable it often is than that pot of gold we thought we were chasing. There's always another pot of gold 
But uh, so now inside my life, brother, like I try to live, I try to live every day and recognize the rainbow that I'm on, the things that are so beautiful, like uh, rainbow for me right now, like big old white Akbosh dog comes in here and just licks all over me and gives me kisses <laughs> or rainbow right now that I can walk outside that room and I can tell my son, Henry, I'm like, Henry, you and me horse, we're going to go play basketball right now. Like, uh, you know, that's the rainbow. And I look at all the big, hairy, audacious goals I still have inside my life, all the things I want to build, all my all my massive transformational purposes and things like that. And it sounds great, but those aren't my rainbow. My rainbow is like waiting for me every day. So yeah, that's kind of the concept of it. And I probably developed it a lot since I said that quote eight years ago. That's so freaking epic. I want to I wanna like do some improv yes ending to that. Uh First of all, I want to extend the rainbow road analogy because anybody that's played Mario Kart on the Wii, I'm specifically for you playing now that have played Mario Kart on the Wii, you know that you fall off of rainbow road all the time. Like those curves are nasty, but that that, that little Koopa always pulls you and maybe maybe that's the void eric maybe falling off rainbow road is the void but the koopa always pulls you and plops you back on the rainbow track and even if you're behind all the other people you're getting laughed you're still you're still on rainbow road so there's there's an extension of the the no matter, <laughs> no matter how crappy a driver you are no matter how much you might blow it right in the moment no matter how much in your and you know what you know why did you go off the track in the first place brandon it was your reckless desire to get mm. to the to the pot of gold it was your mm. reckless desire for yes. first place and it was the fact that you were fighting your butt off as you were going around that curve and you fired one too many mushrooms and you ended up in the void right <laughs> and dude this is so good and you're right and so you're not going to win the rainbow road that's inevitable. You fall off one time, you are not winning. That's just pretty much a foregone conclusion. Um, but but you do get to get back on there and the rainbow never leaves. It's always there. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I, I I could keep playing on this, Mario, because I played a a a my brother and I, you know, the, the number one culprit for me to fall off Rainbow Road is when you get the golden mushroom. Because oh, the golden done. mushroom, you can just ham on that thing and then you're out of control and you're off. And yeah, so so for those of you that were enjoy didn't think that you were gonna enjoy some some Mario Kart banter, you got some Mario Kart banter. But the other the other yes and thing I want to share, and maybe this will kind of uh, we could talk a little bit about family stuff. So Leah doesn't know this and Leah usually doesn't listen to these until a long time. She, she's one of those people that like, she listens to the show, but she always, whenever she listens to a podcast, she starts at episode one. So she's probably, she'll probably listen to this, like however many years in the future. I don't know. I might tell her to listen to it now, but one thing I've started doing is, uh, her birthday's coming up. Our due date for baby is actually, uh, her birthday. And I, I had this idea a while ago to uh, every morning I've started writing 10 things that I'm grateful for, for Leah in, in like this spreadsheet. And here's, this is why I'm tying this back to the, the rainbow. And we can start talking about some family things to you too, is I realized that in the beginning, you start by writing really big things that you're grateful for, right? Like, like all the big, I'm grateful you do this. I'm grateful you do this. And then after a while, you have to start with the really small stuff like the really wicked small stuff. And what I found in that doing this practice every morning in the moment, I notice it so much more, like so much more like this morning, last night, Lee and I were going to bed and we always read before we go to bed. And like, she always makes fun of me because I, I read nonfiction like crazy and I read fiction way slower and I can get through like two pages before I fall asleep. And so she always makes fun of me for how slow I read. And I picked up the book and I'm like, 
And she's like, how many pages are you in? And I'm like, I showed it to her. She's like, oh, you're on page 54. And we opened it up and I was literally on page 54. And she like could tell by the thickness of, cause she reads so much. So it was like this really small thing, but like, that was one of the first things I wrote this morning. I'm like, I'm, I'm grateful for the moment that we had yesterday where you literally picked out the exact page number that I was on. And it's like, I found that doing the gratitude on rainbow road. And I, this has been so powerful. I've been thinking about choosing a word for next year being gratitude, but it's like, the 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 active gratitude or having a practice of that forces you to appreciate great rainbow road more in the moment so i don't know you probably have some gold to say after that i'm just curious to see how that's matched up with with your appreciation of the small things <laughs> so good the first thing that i'll say is that i don't read fiction that's what movies were designed for i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> like non-fictional there's too much great stuff that's real for me to for me to read <laughs> fantasy i can't do it so um do you know the what you're really saying is that we really haven't developed our gratitude practice people talk about it right the gratitude practice you know we haven't really developed a gratitude practice until we're having to work hard to find those little things to find mm -hmm. those tiny i can think of some of the ones like the smell of like of the earth after a rain you know, Do you know that's a like, word for that do you know there's a word for it i've heard what is it it's petrichor it's called Dude. petrichor so freaking petrichor right <laughs> which oddly sounds like falcor from the never-ending story so you know it's awesome i bet that's where it came from they were like yeah if falcor had a smell it would be petrichor it's done <laughs> And so like those little things and um, like the, you know, the smell of the smell, you'll experience the smell of a newborn baby. Like I, I know it sounds weird and creepy sometimes when we think about the heinous things they do in their diapers, but there's something just about the smell of the skin of a baby or the way that it feels against your skin. That's like priceless. And, you know, those are so small and yet they are, they are the rainbow dude. That mm -hmm. is the rainbow road. And so I actually, um, I, the same as you, I, I, do you know what I found is that at the beginning of the day, oftentimes I have good, big gratitudes like, Oh, you know, that game yesterday was amazing. But then by the end of the day, I'm like digging down into the barrel and <laughs> the beauty happens when we have to really get down there. That's yeah. a gratitude practice, dude. 100%. I love this. I'm going to I'm going to tie together a few things. Um so we've been talking a lot about gratitude. We've talked about your Toyota moment and it seems like I think it's another thing that we bonded on is one of my core values I talk about being conscious storytelling. Like being very intentional about the stories that you tell yourself and reframing stories internally and externally and it's like it's clear that if you have a level of intentionality of being grateful and even labeling the Toyota story that is really important. And we've kind of started to talk a little bit about family. I want to talk about the Starbucks story because I know this is a family story for you. So I would love for you to talk about the Starbucks moment. Ooh, like this is when, this is when it gets, this is when you, this is when it gets serious, serious B. Um, so uh, we along the journey managed to, uh, to produce and be blessed with five children, unexpectedly, not a plan. That was not a uh, religious belief to have a large family. It was none of those things. Uh, it was actually a function of the fact that probably that my wife and I were so disconnected, honestly. Mm. Um, I was so busy building an empire, building a multi-location dental practice empire that I was absent. And so when I showed up, there was like 
an exchange of um of like 10 seconds and then like a baby showed up that was like so i showed up five times over a number of years and those aren't this isn't my best story i was not the husband i wanted to be i wasn't um i wasn't the man that i had decided early in my life i would i would be as a as a as a servant to my wife um i also I wasn't an absentee dad, but man, I like, I had a lot of regrets. I missed a lot of firsts. I missed a lot of birthdays when I wasn't building my empire. I was traveling around and standing on stage, floating my ego. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I remember the Starbucks moment, you know, out of pain, out of the void, right. Comes good stuff. And in the void, I recognized, Eric, if you're not going to be present the way you want to be, you better make moments count. And so one of the things that I introduced back then, and um, my oldest daughter was nine years old at the time. Now she's 16. But um, I introduced one-on-ones. I would meet regularly, semi-regularly at that point, but uh, into a regular pattern of one-on-ones with my kids. I always did one on their birthdays, uh, was a one-on-one between me and them. And uh, one of the things I did in the one-on-one was a simple set of questions. How am I doing as your dad? What would you like more of from me? And what would you like less of from me? And this happened at a Starbucks in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, I remember the like fluffy drink that my nine-year-old daughter ordered. And I remember sitting there and I remember asking that question. And all of a sudden, like this deep wisdom. And she said, you know, dad, well, I'm nine years old now. And, um, in nine more years, I won't be in our house anymore. I will, I'll be out of school. I'll have moved out. And obviously I'm closer to mom, you know, I spend more time with her, but dad, I feel like I need you more in my life. I feel like I need more of you. I feel like I kind of identify with you more and I love how hard you work. And you've always told me that the reason you work so hard is so that we can make more memories together and have more time together, which was factual. That's what I always said. And so then she came with the dagger and she said, when is that day going to come? When will that day come? And um, I mean, what the crap, Brandon, like (laughs) nine-year-old. In a Starbucks, like I just bought her a coffee. She should be hopped up and like just ready to buzz off into the, and and she drops that like life hammer on me. And so in that Starbucks moment, I like, it was funny because it's like everything stopped for time. I had a flashback to the moment when I found out we were having a girl on the ultrasound. And I remembered, I remembered that moment in the ultrasound, the ultrasound moment. I remembered seeing like, this future of a girl that I didn't know and imagining all these moments as they were growing up, like weddings and like childbirth, like all these different things for this person. I couldn't even imagine what they were going to look like. And now here she was nine years later and she was actually telling me that I wasn't honoring my word. And, and, and you know what she really called out, whether she knew it or not is that I didn't have any intention to, is that I was living a life for me. I was building my ego up every single day. And while I said that it was about us having time together, when she's out of the house, like she belongs to the world. She's off on her own journey. She's gone. 
And I realized I was about to miss that opportunity, not just with her, but with four other kids, you know, that, that really, that really, I desired to have a relationship. Brandon, this is, this is the perpetuation of wealth. Wealth isn't about me leaving them money. It's not about me leaving them a house or a trust fund or any of that crap. Wealth is about my wife and I passing on the one thing that's most unique. And that's just us and our essence, the good and the bad. And I realized I was missing the opportunity to transfer my wealth to my daughter and to make those great memories while she was young. She didn't want my money. She didn't even know how much money we had, like didn't matter to her. She wanted me. She wanted my time. She wanted my engagement. She wanted, she wanted us to be able to get to know each other. And so in that moment, I decided it was, it was time to change. It was time for me to let go of uh, everything that I built for myself. That was actually the moment. That was me beginning the process of finishing version 1.0 of Eric. That was mm-hmm. like, hey, all of this was you validating yourself to everybody else in the world as a baseball player and now as a businessman and a dentist, whatever. And it was time for that to come to an end. And it was time for me to really become the person that I've always wanted to become. And so it was funny because um, the next day I went into my partners inside the business and I said, guys, like, it's time for me to go. Like, I've made a decision that I'm going to change my life and that I'm going to start by exiting this business. I know it won't happen overnight. I'm going to make sure it's profitable for everyone, but it's time for me to move on to a different phase of my life. And it's time for me. It's time for me to actually put first the things that I say are first inside my life. That was like the priority moment because Brandon, like how often do we ask someone, if you're dying, what are the most important things in your life? You list them all off. Well, how does that match the expenditure of your energy right now? Mm -hmm. Right. And I recognize like the things that I said were most important didn't get practically any of my energy it certainly didn't get my best energy it didn't get my first energy and it didn't get much at all and that starbucks moment was like was huge for me that was the that was when i and so i say that version 1.0 of eric was officially buried on the day that i closed that transaction and exited that business and shifted to to a new state of prioritization in my life wow yeah gonna go back and re-listen to that that was epic thank you so much for sharing so powerful i can literally picture myself observing that occurring for you and and you know you and i have had several conversations about this about being entrepreneurs tend to be very 100 zero in pretty much everything it's like all in or not and and i know that this was such a dramatic moment for you that you reassess so much and so you you made that correction and you went 100 zero family after that you had some incredible learnings and insights from from that shift going 100 zero family so i think that 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 tends to be the tendency it's like okay fuck it let me burn the, burn the bridges let me go this way so talk to us a little bit as somebody that has been 100 zero business Yep. And that turned into a hundred zero family. I would love for you to share about your experience on the hundred zero family side. <laughs> well, let's just say I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here we are as entrepreneurs. We know how I'm going to, now I'm going to kill it as a family man. I'm going to be a hundred percent. Here we are. And in like 48 hours, my wife was like, if you don't find something else to do, I'm going to murder you and it's not going to work. <laughs> 
and uh my kids were like daddy uh we we don't want to spend this much time with you like we still have friends like we need you to and so again i say like where i was driving 100 miles an hour and i slammed on the brakes and i decided i'm gonna drive 100 miles an hour in the other direction and that didn't work it was just it was a royal failure in every way and actually like again for entrepreneurs now all of a sudden i'm sitting there i'm like great so i sold everything for this like and i can't even figure it out and you know, again, guess where I was, Brandon? Ola void, long time no see. You know? <laughs> so Different flavor. I, I know. I'm in a new void. I'm in a new pain. And I'm like, I remember <laughs> I remember sitting in my office of my house and I remember sitting there and like I, like I have to lock the door because you know, I'm like hiding up there. I'm thinking, you blew it, dude. Like you just, and I took, I took, I left a lot of money on the table to get out of my business early. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh, great, great move, idiot. Like you just, you just blew it. And so again, in the void, that's where the work happens. And so I sat there for a bit and uh, pondered and I'd love to tell you it was overnight. This one wasn't like this one required a lot of testing. Um, you know, for me at that point, I realized how, when I was in chaos inside of my business, in my businesses, I needed to move from chaos to clarity and I needed to create consistency and I needed to create a system. I needed to create rules. I needed to create protocols, ways to get out of the business, what I wanted to get out of it. And that was, you know, I'm always a big EOS guy, operating system guy, like scaling up any of those things, they all work. And that was a solution to business. I realized in that moment that nobody had ever designed or given me a system to be able to have the same thing in my relationships or inside of my family. And so now here I was in chaos trying to figure out, I was actually intentional. I was like, dude, I want to put my intention towards creating the most amazing relationships and, and having a centered family life at super high value. I want to have no regrets here inside my home. Right. And I have no freaking clue on how to do it. And mm -hmm. so um, that was the beginning of building an operating system inside of my family, um, an operating system to help us get the most out of our relationships, help us decide where in the heck we're going in the first place, help us decide how to communicate who we are, what are the values of our family that are different than my personal values, right? And so, um, again, like something really cool gets born out of the freaking void. The irony to it also, Brandon, I think one of the things you and I had talked about is that, and again, I coach entrepreneurs a ton. What is the thought when crap's not working in our business? Sell that, sell that business, get out of there as quick as you can harvest, like go, go do something else. And it, it almost never, like you always end up in darkness afterwards. Always. I don't know anybody that has, like it's, it's a rule. And what it turns out is that the sustainable speed, the right velocity where we wanted to be it wasn't going from 100 to zero and driving the other direction. It's actually a lot closer to where we started than we ever thought. It's not about what we're doing in the business or the other spaces. It's about the intention and the structure that we're applying to the spaces we want to improve. In other words, once I put a good meeting rhythm into my family, once we started defining who we were and where we were going and our vision and values there, once I started having like more powerful one-on-ones with my wife and with each of my children, that wasn't a huge investment of time. It was just an application of appropriate energy. And it gave me space to be a lot closer to where I originally was in my professional life. So funny, mm. right? Irony, irony. You mean I didn't have to burn everything to the ground. Go figure. Mm. 
would you say it's accurate that you finally you, you kind of needed to create a pot of gold for your family? Like you had never created a pot of gold for your family to be on that rainbow for them. And since, as an entrepreneur that doesn't have a pot of gold to be chasing, it's kind of hard to do that. So it just took a little bit of intentionality and structure around that. Or is that not an accurate way of saying it? You know, um, it's an interesting question that I've asked myself a lot. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with each of us and our individual relationship to money. In other words, um, what things, I did not know this at the time, things you learn after an exit, relationship with money. I went from having no savings, but having a really big asset, right? And great cash flow, but I ate all my cash flow up, spent everything, right? I went from that, having cash flow for the better part of a decade, um, to having now a chunk of money in my bank account, but zero cash flow. Mm. And that was crippling for me. If I mm. have me have no cash flow, me die. That's how it feels <laughs> in turn. So I went through all sorts of existential stuff. So that um that actually was worse for me than the alternative. In other words, had I known better, I didn't need to create a little harvest or pot of gold from an exit for my family. But you know what that was is it was the tipping point that gave me the energy to be able to apply my energy then because nobody nobody had an operating system for me. Nobody mm. said, "Hey, Eric, I see where you are, big guy. You don't need to go burn everything down and sell your business and do all that other stuff. Here's the solution. Let's create some nice boundaries and let's work on these things, and you can st and you'll actually have more energy to give to the business." Nobody said that to me then. That's what I say to people people now hmm. um, as an option, not the absolute. But so had I done it all over again, if I had to, it, I would love to have retained, I would be healthier retaining cash flow than I would be sunsetting everything and turning it into a big chunk in a bank account. That's healthier for me. Hmm. But I, I, to each their own on that one, like that was a holy crap. You want to get into some dirty stuff. Let's talk about our relationships with money. Oh, yeah. there's a lot of sin inside there. Woo. Yeah, there's there's so much gold in what you just shared there. And that's really interesting insight. Um, and I, I heard you share somewhere else on a podcast that I had never thought about before, but it makes so much sense that like you're the kind of person that like passive income, like like true passive income for you, not actually adding value to it is not <laughs> it's not very fulfilling for you. Like you need to be actively creating value in the world, which is a really interesting insight that I thought was really valuable. I, I want to, because that, that was really good. I want to modify my question slightly because the way that I had intended that question to come across is in my mind, pot of gold isn't necessarily like an exit or a thing. It is it is a, a goal that you are chasing. So I was wondering if you had kind of set up family goals that became like a family pot of gold that you were building is because that's that's kind of what I was trying to understand is like businesses or entrepreneurs need like structure of thought like even I'm thinking about is like I'm going to take a few weeks off with with baby and it's like I I thought about this I'm not committing to it but it's like what if I did a podcast episode on my first two weeks as an excuse to make sure that I'm present and like coming up with ideas and and being fully there so that I have some some way of, of doing that so a long way of saying did you, you kind of took the entrepreneurial thinking and applied it to family so that you could kind of have uh, a, a quote unquote pot of gold, not like actual money, but like goals that you were chasing as a family that added structure to the way you operated. Is that a more accurate way of saying it? Oh, I mean, absolute truth. You okay. know, um, I, I think going back to something I said earlier, how do we validate or keep score? Really mm. easy in business, right? Mm. Um, how, okay. This is just a general principle in life. How thou shall keep score determines what you will do. Very simple, mm -hmm. very, very simple. So if we're scoring our lives, 
Um, it's really easy in business. I validate myself based on the revenue of the company or the profitability or the growth or whatever it is. There's a million great things inside or the number of employees or the number of people served like burgers, whatever. Um, that's really easy to validate. Uh, home life, that's why that's why we struggle. Validating yeah. home life. Actually, home lives can be negative validation, right? Like if you're <laughs> validating yourself based on the behavior of your kids, you're going to feel like horse crap. <laughs> and so I had to create a system for validation inside of that that worked for me. And that was the new pot of gold was sitting there and saying like, this is what we want our experience to look like as a family. Um, it was my wife and I coming together a little bit and saying, listen, this is the container we're building. These are the rules. And you know what? We only have a limited window of direct influence on our kids. Actually, I was even wrong about the math. I used to believe that I had until my kids were 18. No, kids start moving out and transitioning out at 16. My 16 year old right now, I recognize I'm like, holy crap, I'm losing two years of my planned time here mm. because she's starting the process of maturing out of our home. Like we're starting to test exit boundaries, right? I'm like, oh crap, this sucks. And so we built this container and we set our validations. Like how are we going to keep score in a manner that helps us to know that we're doing the best that we can do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and that we're putting everything on the table there. And um, that was, that's been really hard, but that's, that's the power of a system like this is that maybe listening to other people, you get ideas of validations that matter, you know, like things. And even now, you know, that nothing's ever one and done, Brandon, like, I have to make modifications every 90 days to my plans. You know, mm -hmm. literally I just had, you know, one of my personal quarterlies and I recognized like one of the things I wanted to keep score of more was the times I took the, the space I've created in my life to go just do random things with my kid, to go grab, to go grab my eight-year-old and be like, Hey, let's go for a walk around the lake. And like, mm -hmm. just to have that time, no purpose, no other things, more, more unchoreographed moments of connection. Right. And so things like that are ways that I've learned to keep score. My one-on-ones are a critical piece. I never miss a one-on-one -on -one every 90 days with each of my kids. Massive. Like the amount of connection that happens there at my older kids, um, scorecard items for me, habits, I have, um, I do like discipleship time with them every week where I'm pouring me into them. How can I, how can I support you? What things are going on in your life? I'm asking my son, like, what things do you maybe not like about yourself? Right. And mm. like having opportunities to coach. So building things like that, those are the ways I've learned to keep score. I don't keep score based on outcomes. Like you don't keep score by saying, wow, my son seems like he's a really screw that stuff. Like uh -uh. you don't get to determine those things. Your kids are going to become who they would come. That's fine. Let them be them. I'm keeping score by how I pour into them and how mm -hmm. I, how I, how I'm there. So yeah. How about that? Did that answer it a little better? Heck yes. I love that so much. It reminds me of, um, <coughs> I, I recently had on near al on on the show he wrote hooked and indistractable and my biggest takeaway from that was like how i engineered my productivity system because it's like i think a lot about like my, my old system was like getting stuff done like checking stuff off and like near is like the only thing that you should be measuring is the amount of time that you're doing what you said you were going to do again another outcome thing right and so it's like that simple shift of like i love that of like not what the kid does or any of that stuff but like what are the what are the 
investments that you're making um, and, and kind of creating a system around that, I think is absolutely beautiful. Did you, uh, I'm trying to think of, there's, there's some, there's like a nuance here that I think is really interesting. And then there's uh, another piece that I want to dive into, but like when you and I had talked, I, I have a very clear memory of us sitting at Ben's event on one of those high top tables. And you kind of shared this with me, but like the concept was like, we've, we've talked about going from a hundred business zero family to a hundred family, zero business. And like, you clearly found like a balance in between those things. But the, the insight that I'm remembering from that tabletop is like flipping the order that you operate things is part of the secret. It's not necessarily, it's just the order of operations that needs to be had. So I'd love for you to share that. You know, um, I, I don't know when I discovered this one. I think it was, well, you know, what? I do know when I discovered it. I discovered it because when we would do our quarterly operating system meetings inside of the business, right? We would sit down, we'd say, okay, here's all the crap we got to get done this year. Okay, what are we going to get done this quarter? Okay, okay. And we, we'd put all the plans together and I would allocate 100% of my freaking time to, to those, you know, we call them rocks in EOS, right? Like yep. the things that had to get done this 90 days. And so- then I'd get done, you know, with this all day session and like, I've got all these rocks. I'm like, got a lot to do this quarter. Like we're going to crush it. We're going to win the world. Then I'd go home and I'd sit down with my family at the table and I'd sit there and I like had a moment one day where I looked around and I realized I allocated a hundred percent of my energy and none of it was to them. Mm-hmm. none of it was to the people that I said mattered most, but, 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 but here's the thing, Brandon, like I'm, <laughs> I am like this really uh, capable entrepreneur. I take one for the team. I sacrifice. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over and above for them. I'm going to give them, they, they're going to need 15% of my time, maybe, or 10% of my energy. So I'm going to go hundred percent to my business, extra 10% of overtime. I'm going to give to my family. Yeah. Play on player, right? There we are. <laughs> and then as the journey continued a little bit for me, I realized, oh, but dude, you're tired. Like, when are you feeding yourself? When are you taking time to rest your body or to like go to the doctor or to do the things you need to do? To be- Shut up, Eric. Don't talk to me about those things that you need. You need to sacrifice for everybody else. You don't need that crap. You can rest when you die. Like all the stories, hustle, grit, all the things. And so I was content forever to give everything I needed to give to my business and whatever overtime to my family. But newsflash, our businesses are always an inexhaustible need. Never, there's always more stuff to do there. Always another project, always another opportunity, always another market to enter or a new location to build or any of that sort of stuff. So in other words, we were playing a game that we couldn't win. I was never going to win that. And so that pyramid where my business got the big time, then my family got some overtime and I got no time. I turned that puppy upside down. I changed the order in which I applied my energy. And I started by applying my energy first to what I needed to be healthy. Dude, I, I love Simon Sinek. Leaders eat last, but if but if leaders don't eat, nobody's there to lead, plain yeah, and sure. simple. And I wasn't <laughs> feeding myself, right? And so I, I didn't take much time, but I needed to sit there and say, what does Eric need to be able to have his energy? And then the next place I said, what do I want to give to my family this next quarter, this next 90 days? Where do I want my energy to go? What does my schedule need to look like for it? What trips are we going to be taking You know, downstream? Like what things matter inside of this important space? And so I allocate my energy to those two spaces before I go to my business to allocate my energy for the next quarter. And guess what? You're thinking, well, 
I'm screwed. I'm not going to have enough energy to give to my business. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Brandon, when we're doing this in the correct direction and what it, the energy flows down from an outpouring of the energy that I now have, because I'm caring for myself, I have more energy to give to my family. Right. Mm -hmm. And from the overpouring, dude, how hard is it when your family's needs are being met and your needs are being met? You have so much energy to give to your business, but you give it to the spaces that need us need it most, not to all the different things. We focus that energy because let's just say maybe we aren't giving as many hours, but we're giving more output. That's what I found time and time again. Like it's, 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 it's just a unfair formula that we put everything in the other thing. So the order of operations of how you apply your energy in your life has a lot to do with the outcomes that you get. And this paradox that I've discovered is that ironically, when I put my energy in the correct order of operations, I have more that ends up going to my business, not less kind of ironic. Super ironic, but it's, it's as another guest would say, uh, counterintuitive, but intuitively correct. Like it makes sense that you would find more energy from that order of operations. And I think that's super brilliant as a way to think about it. Cause I think that it's, it's kind of shitty to say this, but it's like, sometimes entrepreneurs need like an excuse, like they need an excuse to view, view, view it, view it differently. But like, I think that you are living proof that you've been able to kind of build this uh, in, in a way that is, you've tested all different sides of the spectrum, right? <laughs> so you went yeah. from a hundred zeros, zero hundred all the way. And then you found that this is like the perfect way where you can actually, maybe it's like 200, 200. It's like you found a way to do both. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really cool dynamic that you've been able to, to find. So, oh man, Eric, this has been so good. I like, I know before I asked him, like you said, you said we can go till we're done. So I have like, I have two juicy topics, but like they both need time to digest. So, um, yeah. how give me a really quick, I'm doing this live. How much extra time do we got here? Cause I have, I have an extra I, I'll give you minutes as much now. time as you want. <laughs> Let's go, okay. Buddy. All right. We might end up like backing way into like when I have my next call. Cause there's so much here. So, oh, there's, there's two things that showed up for me. Cause this is a really special time in your life when you're making a jump, you're, you're doing another void jump. Like you're leaving behind the dental stuff, being one of the biggest people in the space made a massive impact. And this family stuff is like the stuff, right? This is your, this is your thing, right? Um, so we'll see if we can fit that in, but there's another thing that you and I had a very meaningful conversation and I've told many people about it. And every person that I've talked to about this topic has resonated with it at an insane level and said, where is the book on this topic? And it like doesn't exist. And, and that is this topic of spousal dynamics or relationships inside of entrepreneurial brains. I, I guess I'll just put it that way. So let me set this up where this came up because the context is again, Eric and I met at Ben Hardy's event and I, again, at the high top, one of the comments that you said, I'm like this dude, like I, like I need to learn from this guy. You had said something along the lines of my wife and I are oil and water and not in a negative, like bumping, like, like, like completely clash, but it was just the comment that like, 
you have completely different energies in the way that you show up together. And you have found an amazing way to build a beautiful family life and partnership with your wife and creating this container with your kids. So I think this just this topic of like what I've seen is the, the two different relationship dynamics that show up. It's either you have two entrepreneurs that are just kind of doing a hundred zero on their business all the time. And then you have entrepreneur and incredible, amazing, supportive spouse. And so like, those are kind of what I've seen. And you've done a lot of thinking on this and everyone that I've talked about this, it's like, what's the answer? Tell me, I don't know. <laughs> and so I'd be curious for you to share a little bit more about how you have developed your relationship with your, your wife and this dynamic that, that you've arrived at in your relationship. Well, there's a void involved. Uh, <laughs> uh, go figure, go figure on that, Brandon. Um, I want to say it by prefacing that um, our our marriage, our marriage, uh, when we were in those dark, dark days, when the Starbucks moment occurred, there was no marriage here. I was looking for a way out of it. Um, I, I, I was, I was not, when I say I wasn't the husband I wanted to be like our marriage was crap. Hmm. And so, um, I'm, I'm not the guy that's like, Oh, roses and butterflies. Everything's perfect. My, my wife is not my best friend. I'm going to say hmm. that straight up too. like, and more power to people that where that's the case. It's just not mine. And so, um, you know, Brandon, like, let's look at the whole story, right? Two things we'll talk about here. Like what happens under tension as the years go on and what our basis is anyway, in the first place. Right. Mm. And so what was the basis for our marriage? Like I was 21. My wife was 22. I had to marry an older woman to match my maturity. And, um, I remember, I remember at that point, like marriage was hormones and like, uh, I, I like security, in a sense, maybe, and all these grandiose ideas for a future, mm -hmm. all these grandiose ideas and where the crap do those come from? They come from the books we read and the movies we watch and the entertainment and everything. And you know where else they come from? They come from the false beliefs we have about our own parents' marriage, right? Mm. Uh, we have, my wife and I have both since learned everything we thought about our parents' marriage was a lie, was wrong. Mm. And so- Here's the deal. And like, we know that the media is not really helpful and stuff like this. So in other words, we had the most ridiculous concept of what marriage should really look like and how our interaction should go. It wasn't realistic at all. And guess what? That crap burned to the ground pretty quick. Like we had trouble right out of the gates. We were dealing with childhood traumas and we were dealing with, you know, a separation from our families and all sorts of stuff in ways that was just showing up and we didn't see it coming. And, um, and so let's just say it sucked. Like it mm. wasn't a lot of fun and it certainly wasn't roses and butterflies like I thought it would be. Things didn't get better, right? Things didn't get better because here I am, like I'm a grower. I'm like very introspective, making all these changes and I'm kicking butt in the world. I'm becoming a professional. I'm starting a business. I'm blowing it up. All this stuff is shifting. At the same time, my wife is a very different person. First off, I didn't really know how different we were when we got married. I didn't, I, again, I, maybe you had a spreadsheet I should have used. I didn't have it, you know, and, <laughs> and it wasn't a perfect assessment. And so um, she's going on a very different journey in her life than what I'm going on. I'm building these businesses and she's actually like trying to figure out who in the world she is. She's keeping score in a totally different way, particularly as she's starting to raise a family. Long story short, we are at an accelerated rate. We are growing further and further apart. 
we don't even understand, like we don't even have similar things to talk about. The only thing actually at one point that we shared in common was the fact that we both had contributed to the genetics of these children, right? Like that was how far apart we really were. And that was when it was at its worst. Mm -hmm. And um, I had to sit there and have this thought of what is this marriage? Who am I inside of it? What are my commitments, et cetera? And I don't, I'm not manifesting any of this on anybody else. You have to decide what yours is, right? But for me, I did have a couple of principles. I did sign up for better or for worse. I did sign up for that. Those were vows. I said it and mm -hmm. I meant it. And when I married my wife, I made a commitment to her. I made a commitment to her in sickness and in health and in all the other crap. And this was all sickness. Like and we were down with the sickness, right? Mm. And um, even though at that time, I didn't like really in a sense who she was, it felt like, like she wasn't going where I was going. She didn't ever want to ask me about all my entrepreneurial things. She didn't want to go watch me stand on stage. Like what the crap, huh? Why don't you want to be a part of my life? even though I didn't necessarily like who she was or like want to hang out with her, I still loved her. I still had a deep love for her. And I asked a different question. Instead of saying, how can I get out of this? I said, well, what might it look like? The road sucks no matter which direction I go right now. I just get to choose what, what road I, I take then, right? I get to choose who I get to be. And the story I get to tell is my future self inside of this, right? Mm. Again, stories, right? I'm choosing the story that I get to tell later on down the road. And I made the choice that I, and she made the choice too. Like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make this a priority because it hadn't been. We hadn't nurtured it. We hadn't cared for it. We hadn't given energy to discovering who the other person was. But you know what our big problem was? Is that we thought we knew who we were way back at the beginning when we got married. We didn't have a clue on who we were. And even worse, we're both changing. We're dynamic beings. What did you look like in, inside of yourself 15 years ago, Brandon? Well, guess what? Us and our spouses are no different. Here's the thing on marriage. If you think in marriage that you and your spouse are going to change at the same rate, are going to change, have the same changes, or like, it, it's just a lie. That's why marriages break so quickly. It's because we're like, well, I didn't like who she became and she didn't like who I became. Well, that should have been what you expected. Because you're both going to change. And so we made a decision to redefine what our marriage is going to look like in that we're going to be a safe space of loving and supporting each other to allow for the changes of what they're going to become. In other words, instead of me deciding who my wife needed to be based on who I married 20 years ago, I decided I was going to love her and I was going to hold space for her and I was going to give her the room to become and discover who she needed to be. And I was going to lovingly be there for her, even if I didn't totally like it, right? Maybe I don't like like your new hairstyle or any of these new things that you've into, but I love you and I'm going to be here to hold space. And you know, the other cool part is like, you may not like it today, but she's going to change again in a little bit more time because that's the dynamic nature of who we are. And so it was this big shift in our marriage to be present for one another to prioritize the importance of this, to kill the sacred cows of like who we have to be or how we both have to show up and serve each other inside of marriage and to leave room and expect that we're both going to be changing and we're both going to be going through different things. And you know, what a gift to offer each other that I know that she's there. She's going to be there to hold space for me. 
um, as I go through all my manifestations and all my new voids I'm going to encounter along the way, she's going to be a constant. And when she recognizes I'm in one, she's going to be there and she's going to support me and she's going to, and she does. And I can do the same thing for her without a necessity for who I need her to become. And with her not having a necessity for who I need to become. And it's been a blessing to say the least for both of us, you know, to relieve ourselves of the burdens of unrealistic expectations and to also commit that like it or not, we're here to love each other and provide space for us each to, to grow. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's, it's, so many people needed to hear that. I know it. I can feel it. Cause again, like I said, I've had, I've, I've brought this topic up and I know this topic is lots of times what people think about. It's like, it's a high. Yeah. So there, there's, there's so much there. And I, I will just share, you know, Lee and I have been together for 10 years now and we started dating when we were like 16. Right. And you talk about, you know, 10 years ago, it's like 16 year olds, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even really need to say any more than the fact that we were like 16 when we started dating. Right. And so, I, I used to, in our relationship and Lee and I have grown, it's like a lot of what you had said, it really resonated because it's like, oh, I'm growing this way. I want you to grow this way too, because that's what's meaningful for me. Right. And it was just a very immature way of approaching it. It's like, Leah, you should be reading more books. And like, she would do it. And like, but it just didn't feel right. And it, it was, it was, it was a very, you know, I, I'm like embarrassed to sh- say that that's like what my approach was like, let me prescribe what happiness should mean to you as my spouse. And if you love me, you're going to do this kind of thing. It's it's gross, but you know what? It's, it's, it's part of how we've grown. And that's, that's, what's really um, been special is exactly what you said. It's like helping each other to uncover what that authentic version of yourself is, is going to be and supporting each other in that journey, I think is really powerful and creating that safe space. I want to, I want to, highlight one component of this because you 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 have also had conversations about this topic with other uh entrepreneurs and like for the person that might be listening that is that high flying let's say they're single now they're that high they're they were you're at a while ago high flying ceo 100 zero crushing it in business crushing it everywhere and uh they're 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 thinking i want another dynamo that is doing the same shit that i'm doing that's like flying and doing all these different things just based on what you've observed and like in the conversations that you've had for for people that think they're looking for a power couple and mm-hmm. and and i'm i'm not saying this for any with there's no form of judgment in my voice like this could be right. but 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 i just want i just want to have a conversation about this cuz i think that that is in many people's eyes, what they're looking for. And, and, and you've just observed that some people that have had that is not shaped out the way that they, they thought it would be. So I'm just kind of curious, like if you can maybe share a little bit about that, I, that, that just that concept of if somebody that may be thinking, Oh, I really want another high flying entrepreneur that's moving as fast as I am kind of how you've seen that balanced dynamic in, in maybe other relationships that you've uh, encountered over your journey. Yeah. So long story short, um, what I've often seen is that when we drive really fast, we crash really hard. (laughs) And oftentimes that's the nature. Like where does the concept come from of the power couple? It's oftentimes not even rooted in what we want. It's rooted in what we want others to think. Mm. It's rooted in very external types of things. And, you know, uh, we need to look in nature and in history, like the concept of yin and yang and of balance um, to energy and to force and, 
oftentimes what we see in power couples is we see two yins or two yangs. We see two things that are very similar in their design and it all looks fun and sounds fun, but it can all crash really hard. And I'm not, I'm saying the same thing, like as you, like more power to the people that like really find that like imbalance. Maybe there's, maybe there's an offset in another space. Um, and that, that but for some reason, uh, I think I said this to you, Brandon, like conceptually, like we have this concept of what we want every area of our life to look like as entrepreneurs. And we want everything to be a freaking 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's not actually the best way to serve ourselves in sustainability or in, 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 in getting our other needs met. Right. And mm-hmm. so sometimes we just need to be considerate that, what we're imagining isn't isn't the right isn't the right thing perhaps for us and it's okay a it's okay as an entrepreneur for your relationship to not be a 10 out of 10 i just want to give you that space it's okay for things in your life to not be perfect um i think it's part of the problem solver's dilemma is that when we we create solutions that's what entrepreneurs do who are we to accept anything that's less than perfect that's a lie that's a lie and a story. And um, I've had to spend a lot of time living inside of that lie and sitting there and saying, you know, um, actually, maybe maybe my greatest beauty is in the imperfections. It's in mm-hmm. the things that suck about me. It's in the places where I'm forced into the void. The last thing that I'll say here also, like relative to this, some of the greatest power inside of my businesses have been places I've gone to as voids inside of my life, mm. right? The void of my family made me a more exceptional leader for my teams. Mm. The void in my marriage made my message so much more powerful and gave me a different voice to appeal to a different audience. And that's part of my unique impact. And so Mm. oftentimes we think of these things and, and we fail to consider that these are for us. These challenges that we're given are gifts to us to go into mm-hmm. the void. And it might not be about the thing. It might not be about your kids. It might not be about your family or your marriage. It might be the fruit that it bears for a different space inside of your life. So yeah, I I will just, to your point, like um, I had the concept of being a power couple. Like it's what I wanted. It was alluring to me. And it wasn't authentic. It wasn't mine. It wasn't necessary. And so I'm really grateful that, um, that I decided that my marriage was just for me and for my wife. It Mm. was for us. It was something that was designed to be unique to our journey and to our lives. And it's not necessarily for anybody else. It might not even be for our kids. Um, You know, we actually have things we're teaching our kids now about things that don't work well in our marriage. Holy crap. Like our parents are still telling us their marriages were perfect. Right. And yeah. um, And we're telling our kids, hey, you know, your mom and I might have been a little bit more considerate about our marriage in some of these areas, you know, mm. some things for you to consider. So, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like I said, I know this is super, so many people have wondered about, the, this is one of those internal dialogue topics that everybody thinks they're having on their own, but I think is just gonna, so I, I think as you enter uh, your, your new phase of sharing, uh, you know, family operating system, we can, we can talk about that. I think it's just such a juicy topic. And I think one thing I just want to pull out and what you said, and then uh, we can talk about this new phase is like, just the fact that you had the introspection and insight that 
huh, maybe this idea of having a different relationship dynamic was my concern about others, people's perception of me and how I show up in the world. Right. And like how, I don't know how this isn't saying this about your story, but it's like, it's like, it's clearly not coming from a place of true love and fulfillment for yourself. If you're looking for having this, you know, whatever it may be um, for other people rather than what's really true and authentic for yourself. So I appreciate you <laughs> being willing to share some of the lessons from your voids uh, vulnerably and openly, because I know that it, that it makes um, the world of a difference. So let's, let's kind of, we can kind of shift to this, like le- this final jump here, because I think it's really cool. Cause when I, when I met you, you're literally in this process of like sunsetting uh, uh, in a, in a different healthy, not a hundred zero way, maybe, but like in a, in gathering all these different voids that you've gone through of coming to this realization that, that, Hey, this side project of like helping people with their family and their operating systems, that's really what lights me up. And it's kind of like what you talked about before. It's like Pandora's box, you know, you opened it, you saw it, you saw the power of it. And like some, you know, you can't, can't go back. And this is really calling to you. So I would love for you to maybe share about this transition that you're making now of like a new void that you're going through of this entrepreneurial journey of bringing this wisdom and empowering families to have these operating systems, to have deep conversations, to have one-on-one with kids, to have that overflow into the business. So I know it's kind of a loaded, but we'd love for you to share about what's coming alive for you as you kind of jump into creating this new phase for yourself. Well, a principle maybe inside here to start with that I've discovered, um, you know, Brandon in life, um, how often is life or the universe trying consistently to tell you something Mm. that you are resisting because of your ego, because of your ambition for something else? In other words, how often have we charted a course, but the wind is telling us, hell no, you ain't going there. Like you need to go here. When we look back, we're always like, life was always right. I always appreciated what life said, even the hard stuff. I appreciate where life took me. But then why are we wrestling so hard against the things that life is trying to tell us? And so I turned that into a rhythm. I have built these cycles over over years and tested them with entrepreneurs where every 90 days, I have a lot of activities and sequences that I do. And one of the tools is I ask myself this question of like, Eric, where, where does life like keep pinging you and trying to Mm. convince you of something and you're probably not listening. And it's a fun Mm. introspective activity. And I realized it in part because of like you, you said to me when we were talking one time, you're like, Eric, when you talk about your life, your, your, your personal operating system and your family, like your countenance changes relative to when you talk about business and your countenance is excited when you're talking about business and building operating systems for companies and helping them scale. Like that's fun, but everything shifts. And you know, what's funny. I was getting that constantly, constantly. Mm. Like people are like, wow, your countenance shifts when you talk about this. Wow. You like, you're so it. And I recognize, Hey dude, life's talking to you. Shut up and listen. And so, um, you know, like the cool part about it is I'm as a CEO, like I build systems. I'm a very systematic leader in a sense, but I'm also very heartfelt. And, um, and you know, what I recognized in my journey when we need, when we're in chaos and we need clarity, we have to have a system to get there. We have to have a process to follow. Now it might look different for every person in execution, but we have to have frameworks. We have to have structure. And yet, in your business, there's so many great systems. When something's broken, you've got a marketing company you can call, you can call an agency, you can, there's so, a consultant, there's so many solutions. What do you do when it's you? 
or it's your family that's not working. And honestly, the only solution we had for any of that that isn't a super structured solution is like, go do counseling. Like, go to a mm-hmm. counselor, right? And A, we've got no capacity in counseling in our nation right now. And we're probably not going to for a decade, right? Um, I, not, I love it, but it's also not very systematic. How do you feel today, Eric? Where are you? And so <laughs> I recognize that there was a need for a tangible process to move us in our personal lives in me, Eric being Eric better than anybody on earth, right? And then and then from there into my family, a sequential process to move us from chaos into clarity and move us to, to, to who we want to become. Sometimes for a lot of us, it's just discovering ourselves. And so in that moment, like this past quarter, I recognized like, oh, it's time. It's time for me to sunset this portion of my life where I've been teaching entrepreneurs how to build big healthcare businesses and, and shift to to teaching entrepreneurs that have been successful how to have the life that they've really always wanted and that probably has been sidestepping them or that they've been missing how to not feel like as I did that I was a slave to my business that my business was actually making all the calls and in control of me and not the other way around and um over the past couple of years I've been quietly building this with a dear dear friend and it's amazing. And it's, you know, what's funny too, Brandon, um, we, it's really a company that's built on a retreat format. How cool is it that you just, all you have to do, your only commitment is to just, you take every quarter, you take two days for yourself. That's all you're going to do from the moment you take off to the moment you land, you're just a hundred percent invested in you in you being centered in sometimes discovering you in making sure that you're executing on the rhythms and mindsets that you need to become your future self that you're seeking to become. And and that you even know who that future self is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. all those things. And um, I leave every single time with energy, like nothing else on earth. Like I, I feel like I could drive a thousand miles an hour. I come out of there and you know, the other thing too, is I leave, I even, I leave with so much excitement to see my kids again and to give them big kisses. Um, One of the things we do in there too, is we write love letters to people um, to recognize the contribution that others have made for us. And typically it's family members. uh, Sometimes it's people inside of our business, but just people that we know that we haven't been recognizing for the contribution they've made to us. There's just so many great activities. I'm excited. It's, um, It's a new phase for my life. It's an operating system that's structured for you as an individual and for your family. And, um, I I think that this has has some really big legs for me. I think this is going to be a beautiful phase uh, of version 4.0 of Eric. 4.0. So we did we yeah. did we covered we covered from 0.5 to 4.0. Maybe we missed a few yeah, beats in between. I'm sure we could probably oh, do another yeah. two hour episode uncovering the other components of it. But I think this has been oh man, I'm so excited. And like I said when when we met, like the world needs this so yeah. much more than ever. Like our and this is this is quote unquote wisdom coming from a guy that doesn't have a family yet, but like the family units, man, like there's, there's no denying that like having strong family units, deep connection with your family, deep connection with yourself. Like that just has unprecedented ripple effects in the community and the way that people show up of just having more kindness. Like, I mean, my parents are amazing and like love them to death. And I just can imagine like even, even more, what, what would, what would this process look like if I had a a quarterly check-in with my parents, we were asking those questions, or if they asked me at age 10, at age nine, what is something you don't like about yourself and how, you know, and like guiding you through those conversations, like, holy shit. Um, So I so appreciate you and the fact that you're doing this work and 
it, it makes me so happy that you are the guy at the helm that is going to be doing this. So I, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, um, what you said in there, like what we're really doing is we're harnessing latent power that exists inside of our society that we haven't tapped yeah. in, you know, um, really, really, that's what it's all about is how can we, this is the best thing for mankind. Um, you know, perpetuating our energy and our love and the best of each of us and being able to share it as much as possible and to create joy and a transition of intrinsic wealth to our to our future generations. Not only that, you know, um, a lot of this, like the irony is even though, you know, because these are all like so far all entrepreneurs, like I've done it with whole companies, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you are in life. Um, these principles are true. Every single human being deserves to have a pathway to become their future self, right? And to really be able to um, to know who they are and to live as that. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's why I enjoy this so much too. I love that, man. Well, where can people find out about if they wanted to attend one of these or if they want to find out how they can learn more about the operating system? Do you have a place they can go right now? Yeah, so the best place to go is to just reach out to me at uh, at drericjroman.com. Uh, you can reach me at eric at drericjroman.com. And um, this One Life System and One Life Circle that we're starting in November, uh, November 9th and 10th in Park City, Utah, um, there's only a few spots left. It's a really exclusive group, but uh, but if you feel like it's a perfect fit for where you are on your journey, like reach out. We're going to be uh, offering this program quarter by quarter. Uh, and uh, and so every 90 days, there's a new opportunity to get into an incredible new group and to be surrounded with people that share your passion for unlocking the latent power that's waiting inside of you, you know? And so that's the best place to find out, uh, find out about me. And, you know, maybe you'll get to see version 5.0 sometime in there too. Mm -hmm. I love that. Everyone can go to check out Dr. Eric J Roman.com. You can see this mystical man bun that I've been talking about. There's some, yeah. some hair down, hair up pictures, <laughs> He's flicking it like a, you need a fan blowing on you so you can see that mane all the time. But background fans. <laughs> Oh man. Amazing. Well, Eric, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm going to have a really quick conversation with our friend listening and would love to kind of hear any concluding thoughts from you. But I just want to say to you listening, man, you could be, I, I say this every time. And I, I, I say, I say this part of me saying this every single time, but this is, this is an episode. This is an episode, man. Like there is something in here that can absolutely change someone's life. Maybe it was you, but maybe it's someone else. It, it could very well be someone else. Um, whether that was just hearing Eric's stories of the Toyota story or the Starbucks story, or I don't know, maybe it just brought a smile on your face thinking about the fact that people can actually date Disney princesses. Like it's, I, I never considered the fact that people could date a Disney princess, but Eric, you played full out uh, and, and there was so much rawness and vulnerability and lessons that you shared in transformation, uh, transforming your entrepreneurial journey. So I know for you listening right now, there is something in here that can change someone's life. So my ask is if you're still listening, that means that you have found value here and there is a conversation that needs, someone needs to hear. And so my ask is that you just share this with one person. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was tickling your conversation. Like, oh, I've had this conversation about that uh, entrepreneurial spouse dynamic, or maybe it was, you've th been thinking about, you've had a conversation with someone about, um, having a better balance potentially, or, or more harmony in your life between your business. You had these conversations and this podcast could be a resource. So whether you choose to share that with them or not, man, I appreciate you so much for being here and for listening and for hanging out with us. And Eric, my friend, any final things that you want to say before we head off today? 
you know, Brandon, you built an incredible container. Like that's what you do such a great job of for your guests. And so I just want to continue to honor that. And I think it's also a really great message to, to everyone to be considerate of how we can build containers that mm -hmm. unlock the latent power of other people that are around us. You know, how are we making that contribution to others? And Brandon, I honor you for, for, for how you've done that for so many people and how you've chosen to share that with your audience. So thank you. Thank you for allowing me to, to be in your space. Thank you, brother. And I'll, I'll say this too. It, when we met, man, it was like, there's, there's something, it's one of those moments. It's just seared into my brain. It's like, Oh, this guy, I'm so, I just like the first conversation we had, you were like, yo, John said that we needed to talk. And then it's like, yeah, we need to talk. And then we talked about outwitting the devil for like 30 seconds. And then we came back and just every mind blowing conversation. So I, I can't, I feel like I've known you my whole life, despite the fact that I've only known you since or two months now is that something crazy like two months but it's like i already view you as a dear friend as a mentor as a brother i just I, I love you so much man so thank you for coming on for sharing your wisdom i'm sure this is not going to be the last of dr eric j roman that you friends are listening to and i'm just so excited to continue the journey with you man that love is mutual i can't wait brother appreciate it i'll talk to you soon all right <laughs>